Blog Talk Radio. The following is a NUC NFL Draft Bible exclusive. Back at it again. It's Bob Wallstop. Another edition here. Sports Tech Guys. Episode 17. Can't stop Wallstop. Can't get much sleep for summertime heat around these neck of the woods. You know how we get down. Rick Saratella here. My co-host Dave Schumann joining me in just a second as we talk sports. And technology. Yesterday's episode, really good conversation about mergers and the tech place. We also dabbled into the Pokemon Go phenomenon, and Dave confessed to spending uh, 35 minutes playing Pokemon yesterday. And uh, we have some more Pokemon news today. Of course, on uh, Tuesday, we had a very great guest with. Um, the CEO of Striver, and we got the lowdown on what's cooking in, in the Striver Labs virtual reality studio, what they're doing with NFL teams, delving into Major League Baseball, and also with the fan experience there. And of course, if uh, you follow our premium service, NUCSportsMag.com, of course, that's home of the NFL DraftBible.com. We have our premium content there. High School Recruiting Insider News with our good friend Barry Every, NFL draft coverage year-round with the hardest-working staff in the industry, hands down, bar none. And uh, you can get a 30-day free trial there with our promo code DRAFT2016. Of course, streaming on the Facebook Live, Facebook Live, getting live with it crazy time. And uh, Dave will have it set up on the Periscope and Twitter and uh, we are getting a bunch of uh, downloads and listens, so I, I thank you all out there for showing love and support to uh, the sports and technology show that we have launched here. Of course, we have a Facebook group now. We have a, a, a website coming and a lot of big things. Uh, shout out to Miami Mike, who was on location at the ESPYs last night, <laughs> Balls to the Wall coverage. Uh, hilarious stuff. I definitely recommend the John Gruden interview little profanity-laced stuff going on, so I don't know if I can tease it on this show, but uh, hilarious, hilarious stuff. I also just posted all of our videos on my Facebook and Twitter account, at NFL Draft Bible, all of our recent videos, so many interviews and on-location coverage. Of course, the NFL Supplemental Draft today, 1 p.m. Eastern time, I believe, in just about an hour. And we will also have the College Gridiron Showcase Watch list show, linebackers, Justin Gamble will be joining me today along with Craig Red, one of the co-owners of the College Gridiron Showcase Symposium. That's at 1 p.m. Eastern time, an hour from now, on the All Access Football Channel. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. So uh, without further ado, I think we got all the promotional stuff out of the way. Oh, one more thing. If you like Miami Mike's coverage, uh, he'll be talking to Russell Wilson tonight at the Nickelodeon Sports Awards. Uh, the Nickelodeon Awards, sports awards, are, are kind of piggybacking off of the ESPYs. So they have a whole red carpet event type of scene going on tonight. Mike will have a round-the-clock coverage of that. And, of course, Mark Duper this Sunday at Miami Mike's and Kerry Wynn a week from now uh, for meet and greet. But this is the Sports Tech Guys, and it's time to talk about some of the uh, things that are moving and shaking in the sports and technology world. So 
you know, a couple things here that I posted in the Facebook group. One thing we've talked about is Twitter and their race to become the king of live streaming. Uh, we've talked about how they've been a little bit all over the place, but uh, this morning the news was unveiled that, that Twitter now is going to uh, stream more than 150 150 live sporting e- events for the Pac-12 uh, between this year and next year. So uh, within the next calendar year, Twitter streaming 150 live sporting events. And I welcome in my co-host on the Defiance Fuel hotline right now. Dave Schumann joins us. What's your take on the whole uh, Twitter live streaming phenomenon? It just seems like whatever sports content they can get their hands on, they're all in. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to acquire the market. I didn't know that they were becoming a content company, um, but they're looking to control some of the content space, at least in sports, and talked about it yesterday as it's the the number one reality show, more, you know, better than anything. So what fits really good there, an unpredictable reality show, just like uh, live sports, you can't beat it. So that's what uh, Twitter's acquiring. Now, I'm curious spending all this money, how they will make back the money, I guess, in advertising is what they, they see that as, as their, their candy. So that it's a large investment for them for uh, a group, obviously has a lot of cash for being a public company. And so we'll, uh, you know, rain to be seen, but yeah, that's, that's not, that's a big content play to, to control the content marketplace as Facebook live is figuring out what it wants to be. Uh, does it want to be peer-to-peer, basically, you know, like what we do uh, from our fans and followers to, uh, um, you know, one-to-one or one-to-many, or do they want to control the content completely uh, by having, you know, large amount of people go live? So Twitter's in a race with Facebook to get those things figured out. I guess Twitter just, they figure they don't have to pet, spend much you know, that's one thing I noticed is that the the acquisition cost of live uh, of live rights is not is, is pennies on the dollar compared to television rights. So, um, and then they they probably feel that they could make uh, that kind of money back and more and have much better multiples on the content with Twitter. Yeah, and it's interesting because. You know, Twitter, you know, Facebook bailed out of the whole live streaming bid for the NFL. Twitter, it was awarded to Twitter for $100 million. Apparently, that was too rich for Facebook's taste, yet, you know, they go and spend $2 billion for the acquisition of Oculus. So it seems like Facebook is more all in on the virtual reality side. However, you know, you see Mark Zuckerberg now doing live stream videos. I was watching one yesterday. He was talking to three astronauts up in outer space using Facebook Live, which was pretty cool stuff. But, you know, you talk about the Pac-12 deal. This comes on the heels of ESPN announcing that they're going to have a separate online destination for live streaming smaller college events. And I wonder what this means for the other Power Five conferences, Dave. Do you think, you know, Pac-12 is kind of a big deal? Do you think some of these other conferences such as the Big Ten or the ACC might follow suit and look to uh, partner up with the social media platform and stream their events there as well? Well, I think is why wouldn't you? Um, If they're throwing the money around, 
that, that's where, you know, the savviness of, of uh, the Twitter executives by bombarding this right away, and if they have enough cash to ride it out, uh, the savviness of them will allow them to, to control maybe the marketplace before the rights get too expensive, right? So they get that first mover advantage, which we talk about in business, always is so critical. Uh, if they can get that, then they can you know, control the marketplace. Now that goes back on your athletic director and his ability to under, understand this space and the value of this space. So the Pac-10 sets a marketplace. Of what, how, what was the acquisition? How much was it for uh, the rights of Pac-10, 12? Uh, I don't think they announced the exact amount. That's uh, still to be released yet. So that what, they did the NFL, right? They did rights with the NFL or they did um, – yeah, they did the um, NFL with a hundred. The NFL was a hundred million for a ten-game package, I believe. Hundred million for a ten-game package, which, uh, in comparison to what you would pay from a network standpoint, is what one one hundredth, what one two hundredth of what they right. pay. They pay several billion. Yeah, right? I mean, you know, for, CBS and Fox Sports, they probably pay um, about. 500 million a year. I would, I would think, you know, it might be even more now. Um, okay. But no, you're right. I mean, when you think about it, the the game out in London last year, what was it? The Bills and Jaguars, which nobody could care less about. I think it drew something like 26 million live viewers. So I guess, like you said, hopefully that's going to translate to advertising and clicks and. Um, you know, it's it's uh, 26 million viewers. You spend uh, $10 million a game to, to acquire that audience. And, you know, if you can convert that into advertising revenue, then God bless. And uh, they have the money to do that. So, you know, it, it, I, I think. You know, I think it's re- what's real interesting. I'm looking forward here on it. Um, but. With the OTT platforms that are that are coming out and continuing to grow, if Twitter acquires the rights for some of these bigger platforms like the NFL and MLB and and you know some of the large conferences, um, they could essentially the way that OTT is growing and basically every, everyone could have it on their their desktop. They basically have a television platform paying one tenth the price of everybody else, which is pretty interesting because everything gets streamed through your through your television now because all this uh, and so many people are concord, especially millennials and um, whatever they call the people behind millennials generation <laughs> I don't even know double Z so. Um, uh, I, I think from that standpoint, you got a, a situation where it could stream through there and it could get tremendous eyeballs on it uh, like you've never had before. Um, 26 million might be minuscule compared to what you'll have for every game, especially the most important games, right? So I think that's, I think that's really, it, it, I'm curious to see how that pans out Financially, if they can ride out their initial cost, it could. It, companies are going to have to respect the platform 
They're going to have to figure out a value for, for those views. Nobody knows what the value of these things are. And as a person who's been advertising on Twitter and Facebook since the beginning and have tried multiple different methods, granted my, my, my uh, marketplace is different, but as far as the value for your customer, um, you know, it remains to be seen how much value you actually get from pay to pay to play in those platforms. Google used to be the greatest platform by that, but now it's consumed by, um, you know, higher, higher dollar companies, only the companies that could really afford to, to spend. And you got to find obsolete or, or rare keywords in order to grow it. But uh, I think that, Twitter's got an interesting opportunity here, and athletic directors have an opportunity to get an incredible amount of revenue that they never even expected, never even expected to, to be a part of this whole entire situation. So uh, athletic directors will have a tremendous avenue to get multiple millions and maybe even much more uh, beyond that. I mean, uh, Incredible. I mean, if you're if you're you spent, for example, Under Armour spent uh, what did we say? It was 120 million on UCLA. Okay, UCLA's Pac-12 network. UCLA uh, has their game stream now. They're now reaching a different marketplace. So was before I wasn't sure if that Under Armour deal was good. But now the Pac-12 signs a Twitter deal and UCLA games get on streaming. Now Under Armour is not just reaching, uh, not just reaching their customers that are watching games on TV, but potentially hundreds of millions of people in one shot. Uh, especially if they have you know UCLA USC game, right? They might reach hundreds of millions of people, five, six, seven, ten times more than they would ever reach in another marketplace. That, I think that's really, business-wise, it's, it's really interesting, but there's no doubt content-wise it's uh, a home run. Yeah, and then just one last note on the NFL side. You know, this is their workaround program. They're looking to expand globally into other countries, and whether it be China and Germany and Australia and broadcast in Brazil, but you know, I know they just finally got a broadcasting deal this year worked out in Mexico so that they can broadcast NFL games finally this year in Mexico. They've been broadcasting in London. That's why they've been making that big push to Europe. But they don't have a TV contract in Canada, for example, or Australia or Japan where, uh, you know, China now has an arena football league. So now this is the NFL's workaround uh, way to reach an international audience and, and build the game abroad. So uh, just a perspective from the NFL point of view here, but I want to shift gears up and we discussed the uh, Pokemon phenomenon yesterday, Dave, and it didn't take very long. We discussed yesterday about how it took about a week or so to make it the most downloaded app uh, in America Maybe in the world, it blew away Snapchat, Twitter, all of these social media apps. And um, it didn't take long for Nintendo to capitalize on the hype. They're, they're releasing now a old-school Nintendo 
uh, pre-programmed with dirty original Nintendo games. But more importantly, I think they're happy about the fact that McDonald's has now signed on board to become the first Pokemon sponsor. So I could just imagine uh, Pokemon now leading you into McDonald's to capture your Pokemon characters here. Yeah, it, first of all, any of my guys on, on Periscope, I have to say, give, give me some love if you play some of that, that Pokemon, because I'm curious to see how prevalent that is. Um, everyone is playing it. That is, we talked about augmented reality. Those of you who haven't been with us on any of our shows, you're new to the show. Um, that is the beginning of augmented reality, right? So you have actual objects that are, quote-unquote, in space that you capture. But here's the crazy part. It's not actually augmented reality like what everybody's in a race to do. So you're really picking up these objects on your mobile phone or and, and you're looking down. So it is like, this is like a blown-out marketplace from a fad standpoint that is not even in the stratosphere of what it's going to be um, once augmented reality becomes. And look, we've had guys on that talk about, like Derek Belcher said, that their headset is fine uh, for what they do, right? Well, I, I, you know, my challenge is, no, it fucking isn't. You know what I mean? It's not fucking fine. The, the, in order for people to get to do what they need to do, you got to look at some of these companies. Now, the Google Glass was the start of it, okay? But you have to have a contraption that I can go and see these objects in my real world, all right? And from a sports translation to sports, Pokemon Go is the beginning. Brilliant by Nintendo because they're, they're a company that, it, it, you know, it's always interesting. Every time I think they're dead. They come out with something, right? So, um, the, the, you know, Pokemon and, and, and now bringing back some of the old school games. Hopefully, I, Tecmo Bowl's in there, and, and you can play with Bo Jackson at the height of his career uh, when he was basically virtually unstoppable. If you have Bo Jackson on the Raiders, anybody who remembers Tecmo Bowl or ever played it, uh, completely unstoppable. But it's, it is absolutely positively um, – the beginning of a revolution in reality, whatever it's augmented. Uh, you know, this is a portion of augmented reality, but you'll be able to reach out and see those objects without having to look it down on your phone and make it so dangerous for you <laughs> as you're crossing the street um, or, or, or have people, you know, it, it's created some controversy and, and hopefully next week we'll have on a, we're going to get on a legal expert to, to talk to us about some of those things, but, um, what's really, really uh, um, is coming is this is not even close to, uh, and, and I love them, uh, you know, uh, those who are on Facebook Live would be Mark, Mark Walrap of Facebook just, you know, 100% agreed to 100%, you know, said the beginning of a revolution. That's someone who works for Facebook as executive with them. It is the beginning. Pokemon Go is, is like, let me give you this. You'll, Rick, you'll get this analogy. Our younger users, our younger followers, will not will not get this analogy. But it is like if you remember playing um, Pong 
uh, or Space Invaders on Atari. Do you remember that? <laughs> no doubt. That, that's what it, that's what the equivalent is of how augmented reality uh, is, virtual reality is. That, and, and you pulled up, uh, you sent me over Eon Sports. So uh, I'll tell you, first of all, nobody in the world does better research than, than Rick. At 6.15 a.m., 6.30 a.m., my Facebook inbox is flooded, and I already know all the stuff that I've got to take a look at for today. But we talked about Eon Sports with virtual reality. And bringing in uh, uh, some of the guys in, in, in well, our well, space. I want, to stop, I want to stop you one second because that's okay. going to be yeah. our final topic. That's going to be our final topic. But real quick here, okay. because for the people at home who may be, you know, in our age demographic uh, and don't have time to indulge in a Pokemon Go. Now, I know you dabbled with it and you experimented with it. I want to convey to people like myself and understand what it really entails exactly because, and, and a quick version here, but this is my understanding of Pokemon Go. You, you sign up using your Gmail account. You give them your Gmail username and your password, and you allow them to access all your Google account. That's a whole other story. But you then download, then a map of the game downloads. So a map in your neighborhood will download to your, phone and then you travel in your house or in your community you capture these pokemon players and then these pokemon players are then used to battle other users uh one-on-one online is that the concept of the game please help me out here yes so you go and i was just uh um you know just commented on facebook but it's it's you go out there's objects that you could acquire you could also pay for these objects. So, um, oh. you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could acquire these objects. You could pay for these objects. You could get them in. Very similar. I don't know if you remember when uh, on Facebook. I don't even know if people play these games anymore. But um, uh, Farm Farmville. Remember Farmville? And remember, um, there's a couple other. Yeah, she's, I can't no, believe I'm I, I familiar, used to play. You know, some of these some of these games. When I lived in New York, you downloaded these games and you played them on your phone on the subway. And if you wanted to, you know, uh, like Sim City type deal. If you wanted to buy, you know, the people that yeah. the people that spend the money always do better than the people just trying to play the game in advanced levels. I got you. Okay, so so you go out and you go and with Pokemon, you could acquire these Pokemon characters, um, as you're walking through your space, you know, your actual, your actual live space of your surroundings, right? So you basically have like a map of your world and you can go after these Pokemon characters, which are these virtual characters, um, that you could acquire. And I could reach out and, 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 uh, grab those characters from my phone as my, me, the virtual Dave Schumann, goes and, and walks by those those characters, okay? And then you're training the Pokemon. There's a whole training thing. So you're trying to train your Pokemon characters uh, so you can advance to different levels and so on and so forth. So uh, and, and I, I'm not even tapping the different levels of phases that it is, but it's, it's, it's basically addictive in the sense that very much similar to Candy Crush, you continue to go up levels, you can acquire purchase levels and um 
uh, you know, it's, it's in the differences. It's in your actual space versus just being on your phone, even though it really is on your phone. Like, it's just you and the game. And the controversy on some of it is, obviously, it uses your GPS coordinates to know where you are. Um, and people can lure other people into to, to different areas to get these Pokemon. So I can buy and put a place of Pokemon uh, character uh, in a certain area and lure people to grab those Pokemon characters, which is where you see some of these controversial issues where there's been some people that have been robbed and so on and so forth, right? Because obviously this is in the beginning and people don't know exactly what it's all about. So that's kind of a, a quick synopsis of it. But it's virtual characters. They're not real, but you're acquiring them within your real space, which is why we say it's a version of augmented uh, reality. And uh, if, if you don't mind, Rick, I want to just – so a lot of people don't know the difference between augmented reality, uh, virtual, uh, virtual reality, and mixed reality, okay? Virtual reality is you're immersed simply in a new world. So – uh, I have placed myself into, let's say, a football game, okay? That's virtual reality, and I, now I'm that person in that virtual world. Augmented reality is this is my real world, Google Glass, and, and, and uh, uh, oh, there's another company that slips my mind now, but that's, that's doing it. They, they are cre- creating... Uh, different things. So let's say you're going on a, you're, you're picking up a train and you're picking up at nine o'clock. It'll say in, in your Google Glass, nine o'clock train pickup, you know, is coming now or something like that. So you can see that kind of data uh, in your space. Mixed reality is really a combination of that augmented reality and um, actual objects in your space. So, you know, there's a Pokemon character under your desk kind of mixed reality, uh, augmented reality as well because you're putting that data in there. But the objects create a mixed reality environment where you have virtual objects in a real-life environment. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, (laughs) I got it. Thank you. It's crystal clear now. (laughs) And, uh, you know, hey, I could see see how it's appealing to the younger demographic. I definitely get it. Not my thing, not my deal. Uh, definitely don't have the time in, in real life to do, you know, uh, do that. But, hey, God bless. And uh, we got a minute or left, so, so I think tomorrow we'll pick up on that conversation you mentioned about Eon. And just real quick here, Mike Dicta has joined forces with quarterback guru Steve Clarkson, Terry Shea also involved, and some others. And they are looking to raise $100 million now on a Kickstarter program and uh, try to catch up with the strivers of the world. We've talked about Ted Sundquist and Charlie Waters and some other people getting involved in virtual reality. But, Dave, by the time they raise $100 million, I think they're too far behind the competition here. I think they're – you want my opinion? My opinion is simply this. They don't have the platform – to win. They don't have the platform to win. They could be a niche player, but they can't, you know, raising $100 million, um, they have to have real venture capital access to raise $100 million. 
And either you're pitching Silicon Valley capital investors or you're not. And, and uh, when I see a Kickstarter program on it, I bet you if I typed in virtual reality, there's probably like a bunch of them. You've got to have a plan that is going to be, uh, that's going to have involved content and technology that's going to get you where you want to be from a virtual reality standpoint. And my opinion is there are technologists that are way farther advanced than, than sports enthusiasts. You need true technologists to then grab the sports enthusiasts um, who have the, the content knowledge and maybe the management knowledge, but the technologists are driving it. You need to be the cutting edge first in order for you for you to be able to raise that capital. Yeah, and then once you raise that money, you still have to develop the technology and the software, and that could take a year or two of development. Meanwhile, Striver has a handful of teams under their belt, so they really have to be superior. But that about does it for another episode here on Sports Tech Guys Live. We'll be back at it again tomorrow, every weekday at noon Eastern, Friday to recap your week. For Dave Schumann, I'm Rick Saratella. Till the next time, everybody. Hey,